0: Welcome to the Recent Speeches podcast presented by BYU Speeches, featuring inspiring new devotionals and forums given each week on BYU campus. Be sure to check out our other podcasts by searching BYU Speeches wherever you get your podcasts or by visiting speeches.byu.edu slash podcasts. Welcome to a new school year. It is truly so good to see everyone here gathered together in a way we haven't been able to for some time. This past year has been challenging on a number of fronts. From COVID to inflation to increasing polarization, worldwide trends have affected us here in Provo. As a result, all of our tasks have been harder than usual this past year. Notwithstanding these trends, the past 12 months have been filled with great accomplishments. Even during challenging times, our students have continued to shine both in academic pursuits and in extracurricular activities. In academics, BYU students earn prestigious scholarships including a Truman Scholarship, a Goldwater Scholarship, and a Fulbright Scholarship. Moreover, 12 BYU undergraduates received Boren Scholarships, a grant made by the U.S. Department of Defense to students doing language study abroad. The 12, students, 12 scholarships awarded to BYU students were three more than, sec, than that earned by second-place University of Chicago. In athletics, it was a year filled with national championships. Whitney Orton won the NCAA Women's Cross-Country Championship, and Connor Mance won the Men's Cross-Country Championship, marking only the second time in history that the winners of the men's and women's races were from the same school. Two BYU women's The track and field student-athletes also won national championships this past spring—Courtney Wayman in the steeplechase and Ashton Reiner in Javelin. The women's soccer team reached the national championship game, finishing second in the nation, matching the women's cross-country team, which also placed second. And in a combined effort of both BYU grounds and the landscape management program, a student team from BYU won its fourth consecutive national collegiate landscape title with BYU's 37 competing students earning 18 of the 75 scholarships awarded. In short, despite the challenges of the day, BYU students excelled in the classroom, on the field, and even in preparing the field. (laughs) We also made progress on other institutional matters this past year. Construction continued on our new music building, which is on schedule to be completed in this coming year. The other academic units currently occupying the Harris Fine Arts Center have already begun the temporary move to the former Provo High facility so that the HVAC can be taken down in preparation for a new arts building on that site. And in late breaking news, I am pleased to announce that we have just learned that the Northwest Commission on Colleges and Universities officially renewed BYU's institutional accreditation for another seven years. Congratulations and thanks to all involved in that extensive reaccreditation process. truly is an exciting time to be part of this university. I am so pleased with so much of what we are collectively accomplishing. This is my ninth annual university conference address. At the first one in 2014, I emphasized and analyzed, perhaps ad nauseum for some, the BYU mission statement. In the annual conference addresses since then, I have discussed the aims of a BYU education, explained the concept of inspiring learning, announced the university's strategic plan, and introduced a statement on belonging. In just a few minutes, I will discuss both an updated strategic plan and a new brand messaging statement. While that may sound like a lot of creativity, or more likely a manifestation of my inability to focus on a subject for more than one year, (laughs) while it sounds that way, each conference address and each innovation has really been just a variation on the theme of my first annual conference address— the BYU mission statement. Our mission statement remains our fundamental university constitution and the primary measuring rod for our efforts. Its influence is evident to most campus visitors. The peer evaluation site team from the Northwest Commission on Colleges and Universities, which visited our campus virtually this last April, noted early in its summary that, quote, members of the Brigham Young University community are clearly committed to the mission of the university, close quote. I hope all who come here sense that commitment. It is one of our distinctive features. Even as we discuss new applications of the principles the mission statement contains, none of those documents and innovations, including those I will discuss today, stand independent of that inspired and inspiring document. It is also important that we periodically remind ourselves that the mission statement itself has a primary focus that is easy to overlook if we are not constantly reminded of its centrality. In that regard, I am reminded of the story of leg- legendary football coach Vince Lombardi. In 1960, the Lombardi coached Green Bay Packers, lost the NFL championship game to the Philadelphia Eagles, 17-13. to with the Packers' final drive ending just short of the goal line on the last play of the game. Given the nature of sports, I am certain there were a lot of discussions during the off seasons about what innovations the Packers might use to get over the top, what adjustments might alter the result in a future championship game, what shiny new thing might make the difference. In that context, with everyone waiting for the new direction, Lombardi began his first meeting with the team in 1961 with a simple but powerful statement. Gentlemen, he said, holding a pigskin in his right hand, this is a football. Lombardi thus reminded the team who were so anxious to improve that they should not lose focus on the key fundamentals. Following that pattern, as we anticipate all the important instruction and discussions that will take place this week and this year on topics ranging from the latest pedagogical innovations to new disciplinary discoveries, administrative efficiencies, and university goals. Let me begin the school year with this simple but powerful observation. This is a student. And this is a student. And this is a student. And these are students. This is why we exist. This is the primary focus of our mission. As I noted in that initial annual conference address in 2014, at the end of the day, students are the product we produce How they turn out, what they do, and, more importantly, who they are, is the ultimate metric by which our work will be measured. With that reminder of the centrality of the mission statement and its student focus, let me provide some explanation about the updated strategic plan, a copy of which is included in your conference program. Last fall, following the emphasis given to President Kimball's Second Century Address by Elders Holland and Bednar, And the accompanying injunction that we evaluate how we are doing in fulfilling the aspirations, invitations, and expectations outlined in that stirring talk, the President's Council spent considerable time reviewing the Second Century Address, section by section, line by line, with the intent of deepening our understanding of the prophetic vision of BYU set forth by President Kimball. At each of our weekly Presidents' Council meetings, we took as much as an hour to consider, discuss, and and internalize the prophetic direction in that remarkable speech, which I believe was the primary fount from which the mission statement was drawn six years later. As we went through that exercise, we took special note of major things that were emphasized in that address but not included in any meaningful way in our strategic plan. We simultaneously noted other parts of the strategic plan where we could see that more detailed goals were identifiable or that changes in circumstances had altered some of the specific details of the original plan. The result is the updated version of the strategic plan that is in your program. I will not walk you through the entire document section by section, but I would like to highlight a few features, changes, and additions to provide background for what I hope is your further consideration and discussion in the coming weeks, months, and year. First, note that there are still three main objectives and those objectives largely remain the same. This updated strategic plan is not so much a revision of the strategic plan as it is a refinement. Our main strategic objectives remain to one, ensure alignment with the university mission. 2. Enhance the educational experience of students and 3. Enlarge the influence of a BYU education. The two biggest differences in this updated plan are the inclusion of specific action items for many of the prioritized priorities and a decidedly second-century address tone. Second, you will see that students are a prominent part of the updated plan. The original version of the plan mentioned the word student only three times. In this updated version, students are mentioned 21 times. Now, part of this disparity is is explained by the fact that the original plan did not contain specific action items, while this updated plan does. However, it goes well beyond that. There is an entirely new section, Section 1B, which reminds us that just as we need to consider the mission alignment of our faculty, staff, and administrative candidates— We also need to, quote, admit students who are committed to the type of education described in the BYU mission and aims and who are willing and eager to learn in an environment of study and faith. The updated plan also contains a reminder that one of the key components of the mission alignment evaluation of faculty, staff, and administrative candidates is their commitment and ability to integrate faith in Jesus Christ and and testimony of His restored gospel with students. Third, there is an express recognition that all employees—faculty, staff, and administrative—both those in academic units and those in academic support units—are critically involved in shaping our students in the way described in the mission statement. Just as New Action Item 1C1 recognizes the need for the university to to provide support to increase the ability of faculty—particularly new hires To authentically incorporate gospel truths into all student interactions and to teach their students uh, their subject bathed in the light and color of the restored gospel, Action Item 1C2 commits the university to provide support to increase the ability of staff and administrative employees to authentically incorporate gospel truths into all student interactions. Even though most administrative and staff employees are not engaged in classroom instruction, instruction, they are a critical part of our effort to advance faith based, high quality teaching and learning, as the title of Section 1C notes. In short, the updated plan makes absolutely clear that our aspiration is to engage the whole campus in educating the whole student. It is an effort that is holistic in both the scope of the participants and the effect on the students. Many of the academic support units are already engaged in this holistic process in remarkable ways. This past winter semester, the Office of Information Technology set a goal of having their full-time employees interview each of their more than 500 student employees to find out their interests and how their employment at OIT might help them achieve their academic and career goals. Other academic support units, such as Dining Services and Residence Life, are developing formal learning outcomes for the employment opportunities they provide to students. And in some situations, the academic and academic support units combine and coordinate their efforts to inspire student learning in remarkable ways. The results can be life-changing for our students and our community as this video demonstrates.
1: When I became the director of grounds, I started looking for ways to manage our water resources and find the very best turf grass that would survive and tolerate our climate. Several of the NFL fields were using cold season Bermuda grass, they called it, which is a new hybrid. So I went to uh, Dr. Hopkins and Dr. Hansen and just said, I've got this idea. I'm willing to help whatever grounds needs to do to support it. What do you think? And they took it to heart. So we brought Hannah on board. We found her. So they found her.
2: I'm Hannah Bergen. I have always loved nature. It's partially why I went into this degree. I love growing up hiking and being outside, doing stuff hands-on.
1: Right up front, she just started, well, what about this, or can we consider that, or is this an option?
2: It was talking with Glenel, seeing, okay, what kind of equipment do we have? What kind of things do you specifically as grounds want to know, what is BYU interested in? And that was mainly, can we use this grass, save a ton of water? And can we use it on things like football fields.
3: So, Hannah is a great example of a student who took advantage of learning from outside the classroom. Uh, she worked long hours in hot, sunny conditions, willing to get down on her hands and knees and evaluate the very growth habits of these different grasses.
1: She was seeing things that no, nobody else was paying attention to. All of Hannah's effort and research was to be able to provide grass in Utah that will use 30% less water. For Hannah, this brought her international recognition, and her work and dedication commitment were just superb.
2: It's just been really cool to do a very hands-on thing to show that, hey, you know, we can be more responsible and save a ton of money and water in the process.
3: So one of the great things about this project that Hannah's been involved with is the collaboration between an academic unit, our department, and BYU Grounds, and the way that students have a chance to get engaged in, in both parts of that we're taking the information that we learned in a science setting and starting to implement it into practices that BYU grounds is using to save water. It helps me realize that all the students in my class that are asking those questions have that same potential.
2: I was, you know, pondering, okay, well, I'm doing all this stuff with my life, but you know, where am I going? and trying to make sure you know, I was on the right path and that I was going to accomplish something with all this hard work and time that I was putting into this. And our professor, Dr. Todd Manwaring, gave a quote from Elder Holland. He basically said that Jesus Christ has given us the commandment to help other people. And that as we're praying and pondering and trying to put ourselves out there in ways that we can serve, that God will give us those opportunities because God is in the little details. He does everything with intention. And I realized for me, it was what can I do to help other people improve their lives?
1: The Lord puts the right people in the right place at the right time.
2: Understanding that can really give you a greater appreciation and love for Him and for yourself and for your fellow man. God cares about what I'm doing. He wants to help His children and He'll guide me on the path that will make that happen. BYU ignited my passion for learning. They have the resources and the people and the knowledge and the desire, really, to to help you accomplish what you want to do in the world. They want you to go out and make a difference in whatever field you decide to follow.
3: It's a very satisfying feeling to see a student succeed in a scientific endeavor.
0: This is a student, a student blessed by the efforts of the whole campus community to develop her as a whole person. Fourth, as already mentioned, the document has a decidedly second-century tone and focus. For example, in the Second Century Address, President Kimball asserted that, quote, gospel methodology, concepts, and insights— can help us to do what the world cannot do in its own frame of reference. Close quote. Relying on that prophetic promise, the action items for our goal to promote a sense of belonging among all members of the campus community make clear that our belonging plans and efforts will be based on gospel principles at every step. That will necessarily mean we do some things differently than would be done in other places. Such an effort will require that the Office of Belonging take the lead in planning and directing the work to ensure that we remain in alignment with gospel methodology, concepts, and insights. This will help us avoid the divisive and polarizing forces generated by some approaches to this important issue so that we can have a truly unified and unifying gospel-based belonging effort that will have long-lasting effect. The same focus on gospel methodology is found in Action Item 2A2, which challenges us to design inspiring learning activities that will increase students' ability to seek truth and solve problems by study and faith using gospel methodology. As I have confessed on several occasions, I'm not sure I fully understand what President Kimball meant by the term gospel methodology or how or even if it applies to all the various aspects of our different roles on campus. I strongly sense, however, that it has something to do with the manner in which we teach and learn, using the Savior as our model. I am even more certain that that kind of gospel methodology learning involves personal revelation to both the teacher and the student. A poignant and powerful illustration of that was demonstrated by the experience of Erica Hunter, a recent graduate of the McKay School of Education. Erica enrolled in Professor Sarah Clark's elementary education 443 class. Professor Clark began her course, as she usually does, by explaining how deeply each of her students is loved by God as they are His children. She informed the students that that knowledge alone would reduce or even eliminate some of the most challenging struggles they face as teachers. She told the students that as public school teachers, which they would become, they couldn't walk into a classroom and teach the gospel directly to the students but they could always bring the Savior with them into that space. Erica completed the course and sometime later began her work as an intern at an elementary school. She later exp- explained her experience in an email to Professor Clark. Quote, On the first day of school as a second-grade teacher this August, I loved it. The second day, I was unsure. And by the third day, I was ready to quit. It was so hard. I really had to will myself just to try and make it through each hour. It was a couple of weeks into the school year, and after what I felt like much suffering, I remembered your lesson about remembering who we are. As I was driving to work, I thought about how I am a child of God. I thought about how each of my students were too, even the ones that really pushed my buttons. That, ch- that thought changed everything. Because of that simple truth, I seemed to have more patience with my students and myself that day. I felt more urgency in helping my students succeed. I gained more compassion for the struggles they were facing. I continued that pattern of thought and perspective day after day as I drove to school, and the dark pit that I was in seemed to get brighter and brighter. Thank you so much for listening to inspiration. and being willing to share that message with me, close quote. This is a student, a student who received personal revelation because her professor received and shared personal revelation about gospel methodology, concepts, and insights. To conclude my overview of the updated strategic plan, I draw your attention to the change in the wording of Objective 3, The original Objective 3 was to, quote, expand opportunities for a BYU education, close quote, and focus solely on increasing the number of students who could attend BYU, an important goal that still remains. However, the updated Objective 3 broadens the scope of that originally objective. Our desire is not just to expand the number of students on campus, but to, quote, enlarge the influence of a BYU education. One source of that enlarged influence will come from an increase in the number of students who go forth from here to bless the world. But that influence can and will be magnified and multiplied by an effort to more intentionally and consistently elevate the reach of our message to key constituencies. In his Second Century Address, President Kimball noted that one way BYU could become an educational Mount Everest is by communicating to the world unique truths that BYU has to offer— there are many ways in which BYU can tower above other universities, he said, not simply because of the size of its student body or its beautiful campus, but because of the unique light BYU can send forth into the educational world. Close quote. I read that as a charge to not hide our unique educational candle under a bushel, a charge to share our gospel-based insights and ideas with the world, not for the praise of the world but for the benefit of the world. That requires a more concerted and coordinated effort. To that end, as action items under 3B direct, we are now finalizing the creation of a strategic communication committee led by Keith Borkink, Kerry Jenkins, and other key communication people on campus to, quote, develop and implement a strategic communications plan that will both increase key external audiences' understanding and awareness of BYU's unique mission— and also educate and inspire our campus community about BYU's unique mission. By what some would call fortunate coincidence, but what others would term celestial correlation, our plans to be more strategic with our communication efforts are beginning just as our multi-year brand initiative has reached a point at which the team leading that effort has been developing a brand messaging statement. This messaging statement, which will serve as a brand narrative, was recently approved by the President's Council after after review by the Board of Trustees. As this will be a key part of the communication efforts in the coming years, let me share a few insights about it. As I mentioned, this brand narrative or messaging statement is part of a multi-year brand initiative. Many of you, like me, will at first think that a brand initiative is about logos and school colors. But it is much more than that. It is about helping others have a more complete and more accurate understanding of who we are. As Jeff Bezos once famously observed, quote, Your brand is what other people say about you when you are not in the room. Close quote. It is what people think when they see or hear your name and you are not there to explain yourself. Logos are part of that effort because such visual representation can be impactful but logos and brand names are only successful if they evoke the message or impression that the brand initiative is designed to create. So a brand initiative like the one we have been engaged in these past years involves study about what others think of us as well as what we aspire to be. It seeks to eliminate any gap between those two. One tool for that is a brand narrative or messaging statement. The statement is not likely to be presented as a whole on many occasions, nor is it a replacement for the mission statement. Rather, it is designed to provide language to describe various aspects of the mission in a way that reinforces our central message and usually appears as snippets or phrases. With that background, let me share with you the recently adopted messaging statement. We believe a world yearning for hope and joy needs the graduates of Brigham Young University. As disciples of Jesus Christ, BYU graduates are motivated by love for God and His children. BYU graduates are directed by living prophets and prepared to serve, lift, and lead. This preparation demands a unique university model. At BYU, belief enhances inquiry. Study amplifies faith, and revelation leads to deeper understanding. At BYU, helping students to develop their full divine potential is central to both our teaching and our scholarship. As the flagship higher education institution of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, BYU strives to emit a unique light for the benefit of the world, a light that will enable BYU to be counted among the exceptional universities in the world and an essential example for the world. Let me briefly provide just one short example of the power of this language in describing what happens at BYU. As most of you know, the history of higher education in the United States reveals a trend of private universities moving from being institutions with religion at their center to institutions where there is at best an uneasy truce between religion and academics. At many institutions, religious beliefs are barely tolerated, and in some they are completely ignored or ridiculed. As one faculty member at a prominent university put it, quote, the primary goal of a university education is the pursuit of truth through rational inquiry, and religion has no place in that. Reason and faith are not yin and yang. Faith is a phenomenon. Reason is what the university should be in the, in the business of fostering." Close quote. That is not an uncommon view. At BYU, we are counter-trend in that regard. We believe that faith and reason can not only coexist, they can mutually reinforce one another. That, to use the language of the messaging statement, belief enhances inquiry, study amplifies faith, and revelation leads to deeper understanding. We, in essence, double down on the traditional view. As the messaging statement indicates, that kind of approach requires a unique university model. As one author put it when describing the BYU model, divine revelation and a century of experience teach that the educational future belongs not to those who withdraw or secularize the sacred, but to those who sacramentalize the secular. In the final analysis, the entire university enterprise, its classrooms, its laboratories, and perhaps most of all the long hours spent in one-to-one counseling is a sacramental act, a form of worship. Even its demanding drudgery is a manifestation of the love of God for man and the love of man for God. In answering the ever-recurring question of how BYU is different, perhaps we can say, Elsewhere, little, if anything, is sacred. Here, everything is. Like the mission statement, the brand messaging statement also reminds us that students are at the core of what we do. Quote, at BYU, helping students to develop their full divine potential is central to both our teaching and our scholarship." Quote. But our students are not only the focus of our efforts to develop graduates who will eventually bless a world yearning for hope and joy, they are also often the best means of conveying that unique light to others right now. Let me provide one concluding example. As I mentioned earlier, our women's soccer team played for the national championship this past fall. That remarkable athletic accomplishment gave them a platform to demonstrate their love of God and their Christian discipleship in a more visible and unique way. The national championship match was originally scheduled, as it has been for many years, to be played on a Sunday. Reflecting our understanding of the sanctity of the Sabbath day, BYU has a policy that it will not complete on Sundays. As required by its rules, the NCAA accommodated BYU's policy and rescheduled the game to Monday. That unusual move by itself generated publicity about the gospel principle of Sabbath worship and the importance of religious convictions. Instead of practicing on Sunday, members of the team attended church at a local ward where some of them shared their testimonies in the fast and testimony meeting. That had an impact on those present and well beyond, as evidenced by social media posts. Moreover, it brought attention to the fact that one of the members of the team, Josie Shepard, was scheduled to begin her service as a missionary by entering the home MTC on the Monday of the championship game. The responsible ecclesiastical leaders gave permission for her to begin her MTC experience by participating in the missionary Zoom meeting from the team hotel on the day of the game. That led to other questions about missionaries, which allowed four other members of the team To publicly address their decision to interrupt their education and soccer careers to serve missions. These are students, disciples of Jesus Christ who, led by prophets, can provide uplift to a world yearning for hope and joy. This kind of student requires a unique kind of education. An education that requires a unique kind of faculty, staff, and administrators. Faculty, staff, and administrators who prioritize the eternal development of their students over the praise and prestige of other pursuits. More importantly, it requires faculty, staff, and administrators who are disciples of Jesus Christ, motivated by love of God and His children to bring others to Christ who is the one true source of all light. We will succeed in this remarkable mission only to the extent that we focus on Him in all we do. As the mission statement makes clear, quote, any education is inadequate, which does not emphasize that His is the only name given under heaven, whereby mankind can be saved." Close quote. If we remain true to our unique educational model, We will, as President Kimball prophesied, become the fully recognized university of the Lord about which so much has been spoken in the past. That is the destiny of BYU. Surely, as President Kimball observed, we cannot refuse that rendezvous with history. May we all walk together in the light of the Lord in this extraordinary work is my prayer. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. You've been listening to the Recent Speeches podcast presented by BYU Speeches. Please check out our other podcasts, including classic speeches taken from our vast audio library, as well as other BYU Speeches compilations on love and marriage, overcoming adversity, by study and by faith. Come follow me, the Prophet Joseph Smith and Jesus Christ, our Savior and Redeemer. Go to speeches.byu.edu and click on podcasts for more information.